in the month of March, we unpacked our mission statement here at The Journey. Now, those of you that have been with us for a while, hopefully you know what our mission statement is. So on three, when I count to three, we're going to all say it together very loudly. Are you ready? One, two, three. Good. Love God, love others, and love the world. Now, when we unpacked that last part uh, back in March, at the, towards the end of March, we kind of focused a little bit more on the mission aspect of what we do here at the church and some of the missions that we support, but especially as a leadership, what we felt God was doing in the future and the missions he wanted us to partner with, in, uh, especially in India. And now we're... we're um, supporting two pastors. We provided them with the, uh, their vehicles to be able to get to the to reach these unreached people groups. We're providing them with other things. The hope is when the time is right and ready, we're going to be able to help build them a church again. And so God is moving in that direction. So we kind of focus that way. But today I want to begin sharing that part of the mission statement in just a little different way. As we love the world around us. And as we begin to look at how we can share with those in our homes or maybe those at school or maybe those at work or, or those, you know, uh, uh, on the sports teams that we play or as parents, those parents that we sit with in the stands as we watch our kids play those sports. And literally the list could go on and on of the ways we contact people. And I'm not sure that as I thought about this all this week, I just decided, you know, I just can't do this justice by just giving you a few snippets and then calling it a day. You know, I, it's just, just not going to work. And so we're really going to take the next four or five weeks, and it's just whatever God really lays on my heart to do, but probably the next four or five weeks to just look at something that I believe is very important to the heart of God. In fact, I think it's what God's heart beats for. I know it's what my heart beats for in so many ways. It's what I'm very passionate about. And it's that thing called evangelism. Or to put it another way, it's how we can live out and share our faith in a very real and relevant way with those that I just mentioned a moment ago. Those in our home, those at work, those at school, those parents that we are with when our kids are playing sports. And so today we're going to begin a journey. A journey that I believe is going to radically change the way you and I view this thing called evangelism. And the reality is, it's a lot easier than you think. Because, unfortunately, that word evangelism has some negative connotations in people's minds. Especially Christians. I mean, we... We sometimes think of the guy standing out on the street corner with the bullhorn, you know, yelling out, you know, repent, you sinner, or, you know, turn or burn, or fruit or fuel, you know, th those kinds of statements. And we, we hear about those, and we see those, and it just kind of puts negative thoughts, or, you know, hitting somebody over the head with a 50-pound family Bible, you know, knocking some sense into them. You know, what we, so we, we don't always understand, at least in our minds, what this thing is called evangelism. But I want to, what I want to share with you, and as we will be looking at some things and exploring, these things involve no formulas or no scripts or no quizzes, no tests or huge chunks of memorized information. It's literally just understanding 
and then being who we have been called to be. And it really is that simple. It's just understanding and then being who we are called to be. So as we begin, I want to share a story with you that I shared. This probably been four or five years ago. It's from a book that Bill Hybels wrote. And this is what Bill writes. He writes, I'd been invited to a luncheon in the Deep South, and as I entered the ball, hotel ballroom that day, we were asked to introduce ourselves to the other people around our table. He said, seated directly across from me was a, a tall African-American gentleman. He kind of looked like a linebacker. He said when he introduced himself to me, his name led me to believe that he was probably Muslim. At one point during the meal, we kind of made eye contact, and he just simply said, hey, man, I love your books. I thought he had probably had me confused with somebody else, but after the lunch, he pulled me aside, and this is what he said. He said, I understand this is probably a little confusing because you assume that I am a Muslim. So let me tell you a quick story. He said, I had been a Muslim my whole adult life, and being an African-American Muslim in a southern city and being in the profession that I'm in, well, it hasn't been really easy. He says, as you might imagine, I have some struggles in social settings. He says, inevitably, I wind up standing alone at these company parties until enough time has passed that I feel like I can kind of make a graceful exit. He said, this whole dynamic is just something I've learned to live with. But he said, then something happened. He said, one night I was at a party and I found myself standing alone as usual. He said, sure, there were groups of people. They were gathered throughout the entire room and they were talking and they were laughing and they were engaging in each other's lives and in conversations. He said, but I was there with no one to talk to and nothing really to do. And I was just kind of biding my time. But he said, at some point during the evening, I noticed a guy standing on the other side of the room who was in the middle of a conversation with people of his own color and his own kind. This guy looked away from his group, and he saw me standing by myself. And what he did next, he said, it just kind of blew me away. He said he actually left his group. He walked all the way across the room, stuck out his hand, introduced himself, and then he asked for my name. He says, from there, it was really fairly natural and easy as the conversation began to unfold. He said, we talked about our mutual professions, and he said, we talked about our families and our business in general, and we talked about sports. He said, eventually, the, the topic of faith came up, and this guy said, he said, well, I'm a, I want you to know that I'm a Christ follower, but if truth be told, I know almost nothing about your faith, the Muslim faith, would you be willing, maybe over breakfast, to just give me the cliff note version of your faith system? He goes, when he said that to me, he goes, I really almost fainted because he said, I had never had a Christian be so open and honest before. He said, it just blew me away. Now, to make a long story short, here's the rest of the story. These two guys agreed to meet uh, for weeks and for weeks they got together over coffee so that one Christ follower could take an interest in a man living far from God. And at some point in this, an interesting thing happened. 
This Muslim man realized that this Christian guy had been a great listener and hadn't judged him, hadn't tried to wedge his own agenda into their conversation. He just kept showing up with a listening ear and a general interest in my life. Then one morning, our Muslim man said, he said, you've been such a good listener. Would you be willing to refresh my memory on the Christian faith? He said from there it all happened very easily and many months later after determining that Christianity was the superior faith system, he said, I committed my life to Christ. He said, it has been an unbelievable change in me. I'm a part of a local church now and I can't tell you the difference this has made in my life and in the lives of all my family members. Now, why did I tell you that story? I told you that story for this reason. It's because the single greatest gift that Christ's followers can give to the people around them is an introduction to the God who created them and who loves them more than they could ever imagine. Did you get that? The single greatest gift that a Christ follower, that's you and me, if you've given your life to Jesus, that we can give to people around us is an introduction to the God who created them and who loves them more than they could ever imagine. Let me tell you, nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. Not money, not job opportunities, not recognition, not success. And when you boil it all down, I believe this is what loving the world is all about. You see, ultimately what this Christ follower did is something that every one of us can do. You see, he had a deep-seated belief and faith that God would use him as a gift-bearer in somebody else's life. And because he believed it, and because he was open to it, and open to be used by God, guess what happened? Man, God used him in an amazing way. That's why we're going to begin the process of understanding how we can be used by God to love the world around us. By being gift bearers of the greatest gift anyone could ever receive. An introduction to the God who loves them. So then, what will it take in order for us to be that type of person? I mean, what will it take in our life to be able to give the single greatest gift to somebody? That introduction to Jesus. Well, here's the first thing I see. I believe it begins with a willingness to leave that which is comfortable to enter that which is unknown. To enter, to leave that which is comfortable, to enter that which is unknown. I mean, think about this with me for a moment. In our story, one Christ follower in a social setting was standing in his circle of comfort. And you know what that is, because we all have those. I mean, it's that place where it's easy to relate. It's that place where it's easy to converse. It's that place where there's no threats. It's just people we know and we talk with. Now, he could have stayed in that circle like a lot of us tend to do. But instead of staying there and ignoring someone who perhaps needed a little encouragement or who perhaps needed a friend, he left the comfortable for the unknown. And here's the thing. I personally believe 
that this unknown place, man, I believe this is the place where God often does his best work. It's in that unknown place. It's the place where this Christ follower in our story struck up a conversation that literally changed this man and his family's eternities. Now, can you see how powerful this could become? Can you see it? I mean, can you see how much kingdom impact can happen when a Christ follower decides to leave the comfortable for the unknown? Let me tell you, I believe it makes an incredible difference. In fact, I believe that the very gates of hell shudder every time a Christ follower leaves the comfortable for the unknown. I believe it literally shakes the gates of hell. Now, if this is the case, there's a question I think we got to wrestle with. And it's this. What would happen what would happen if we were to begin to live our lives this way? Think about it. I mean, what would happen if we really began to live our lives this way? If, if we were to leave that which is comfortable for that which is unknown. If we were to become the ultimate gift bearer in someone else's life. I mean, is it possible that we could actually impact their eternities? impact their eternal destiny and maybe even that of their family is it possible and so maybe the question we need to ask is this is having the opportunity to impact somebody's eternity worth the risk is it worth the risk is it worth the risk to leave that which is comfortable to go to that which is unknown? Is it worth the risk? And my answer to that question is, is this. You bet it is. It's worth the risk. Here's the thing. And I want you to embed this somewhere in your minds and your hearts. Write it down. Put it on a refrigerator. Remember it because this is what I believe. I believe the day Christ's followers like you and me stay glued to our comfort zones, our circles of comfort, and we refuse to enter the unknown, guess what? It is lights out for the kingdom of God here on earth. It's lights out for the kingdom of God. It's the end of the dream of Jesus that people on earth would come to know him as Savior and Lord. If Christ followers like you and me just stay in those circles of comfort, and never go to that which is unknown. It is lights out for the kingdom. And we've got to understand that. And Jesus' dream will never be reached. And it never will be fulfilled. Please hear me on this. If you're a living, breathing Christ follower, then Jesus is asking you, actually, guess what? He's commanded you to make a difference in the lives of people you see each and every day. Those people at home, those people at work, those people at school, those people at those sporting events. I mean, look what the Bible says. Jesus came and told his disciples, 
I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, in other words, based on that authority that I've been given by my God, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. Leaving your comfort zone to share with someone who desperately needs Jesus, let me, let me tell you, it's not optional equipment in the salvation plan of life, okay? It's just not. It's not optional equipment. Now, last weekend, um, Lucy and I, we, and she hates this. Um, well, one, that I'm saying it, and two, that, I mean, she just hates the experience of car shopping. Um, so we traded her CRV in for uh, a, a Ford Escape. And um, as we did that, because she doesn't like that, she just leaves me to deal with it and to handle it. So that's what I do. But, and I love doing that kind of thing. But one of the things I do is I sit down, and as we're going over things, I want to know what's standard and what's optional. Why? Because I don't want to pay for that which is optional if it's not standard. Okay? If I don't want it, I don't want to have to pay for it. And so I, I, I want to know what's standard and what's optional. Now, here's the problem with a lot of Christians, man. We sit down with Jesus, and it's like, okay, Jesus, can you just tell me what's standard and what's optional here? I mean, what, what comes with this thing called Christianity, and what are these things that maybe are optional things that I could do or not do? And he goes, no, it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. And becoming a gift bearer in somebody's life, giving somebody an introduction to the God who loves them, guess what? It's not optional equipment either. It is a command that has been given by our God. Jesus wasn't giving us a suggestion that we only do if we feel like it. He was giving us a command to be obeyed, and the reality of faith is, is this. We do not get to pick and choose the commands we obey. Jesus has already done that for us. Tim Harlow writes, he's pastor of a church up in the Chicago area. He writes, once you are in the kingdom, your mission is to be about those who are not in the kingdom. I like that. Once you are in the kingdom, guess what? Your mission now is to be about those who are not in the kingdom. You see, you and I have been created to reproduce to reproduce disciples. But here's what we have to watch out for. If we're not careful, we can get so wrapped up in our own circles of comfort that we never turn around to acknowledge the people standing across from us who desperately need a little encouragement, a little friendship, a little hope. Now there's a, there's a great story that's found in John chapter 4 that I really like. And it shows Jesus taking a walk. I just want to share kind of the, what's going on here with you this morning. It's, it's in the middle of the day, and Jesus and his disciples had stopped in a Samaritan village of Sychar. They're hot, they're hungry, they're thirsty. And they look over, and there's a well there. It's actually called Jacob's Well. And they see a woman standing there. Now the disciples decide... 
hey, Jesus, we're going into town. Do you want to go with us? We're going to go see if we can find some food. So the disciples go, but, but Jesus stays. The disciples stay in their circle of comfort, but Jesus stays to go to the unknown. So after the disciples leaves, he turns and he sees the woman again, and he walks from one side of the well to the other, and it's a move that catches the woman off guard. You see, she's not expecting him to have anything to do with her. I mean, in, in their society, Jesus wasn't just crossing from one side to the next. He was, he was crossing gender and race and culture and even man-made religious restrictions. She was a Samaritan. Samaritans were sort of a Jewish half-breed who didn't even worship in Jerusalem. And most people, Jews included, wouldn't have even walked through this region because they believed that if they did, they would become unclean. But despite all this, Jesus took the walk and he reached out his hand and he, he started a conversation with this woman. This woman that others wouldn't have anything to do with. And after a while, the conversation evolves from a simple topic of drawing water to living water. And Jesus begins to share with her that he's the living water. And, and after telling her everything about her life, the Bible says that she leaves her basin, she runs into town, she begins to just grab friends and, and family members and neighbors, and, and she, she brings them out because she's telling them, hey man, I met this guy. I met this guy who knows everything about my life, everything about my past, and guess what? He accepted me. And not only did he accept me, but he showed me this thing called grace. And for the next two days, all these people hang around and and they're just listening to Jesus teach. And the Bible says that many of them crossed the line of faith and joined God's family. All because one man took a walk and reached out to someone living far from God. Now, I'm realistic enough to know that a lot of you, this is what you're thinking. You're thinking, but that was Jesus. And I'm not Jesus. Here's what we conveniently tend to forget. Living inside all of us who have taken Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is the very Spirit of God. And He is there to empower us to do what we thought could never be done. Now, I know that just like the disciples, we can all be tempted to, to stay in our safe little circles of comfort. I mean, that's the temptation. And that's what we tend to do so many times. And just like them, we, we can make a habit of rushing off to our lunch appointments, our business meetings, our family gatherings, our ball games, instead of reaching out to maybe someone who is standing right in front of us who needs an encouragement, a friendship, some hope. But here's the thing. In order for us to be effective in leaving that which is comfortable for that which is unknown... We have to be willing to do this. We have to be willing to listen to. We have to be willing to rely on. We have to be willing to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God. You ever heard that? If you're with us for the last several months, you've heard that a lot. A.W. Tozer writes, 
Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. You see, we've already made our mind up that there are certain commands we obey. There are certain commands that are suggestions. And so we've already got our mind made up. So it's not that God's not speaking. It's just we're not listening because we've already decided we're not going to do it anyway. That's one of the reasons we went through the series we did on Connected, so that we could learn how to be more effective in hearing and responding and obeying to the voice of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Do you get that? I will move you. I'll put my spirit in you. I will move you to follow my decrees. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in our lives is help us to be obedient to God. And yet we tend to kind of shut the Holy Spirit down when we think he's going to encourage us to do anything we don't want to do. We want to kind of throw a towel over him, kind of put a damper on him, stick him in another room in our heart so that he can't come out. Galatians 5.25 says, If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, when, when we told you the good news, I love this, it was with the power and assurance that comes from the Holy Spirit, not simply with words. You get that? That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Here's what I believe. And what I've tried to practice for the last 36 years of ministry. When we rely on the Holy Spirit to empower us, and when we are open to the promptings of God, guess what? We will begin to see people. We will see those who have been there all along. You hear what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. When we honestly rely on the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and when we pray every day, God, show me. Give me somebody to minister to today. God, help me be a gift bearer today in somebody's life. When we pray that and are open to that, guess what happens? All of a sudden, our eyes become open, and now we begin to see those who have been there all along. It's not like they haven't been there. We haven't seen them because we haven't prayed for them. They're, they're just normal people. They just are there. But when we pray for them, we see them for what they are and who they are. And the Holy Spirit begins to help us. And we begin to see those who look different, smell different, vote different, who are of a different religion. And we begin to see them in a new and a fresh way. And guess what happens through the power of the Spirit in our life? He begins to break our hearts. And now our heart breaks for them. For those who need the saving grace of God in their life. And you will be able to walk with confidence because you go now in his strength and not simply yours. I love what Jeff Krantz prayed. He prayed a prayer that we all need to pray. He simply prayed, I acknowledge the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in me. And I ask that the Lord Jesus consume my life for his purposes. I pray that everything I do 
be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit to produce much fruit that glorifies the Father. Do you acknowledge that the Holy Spirit even lives in your life and is a part of your life? Do you pray for him to accomplish those purposes of God in and through you? I believe we need to. And let me tell you, when we do, that's what I believe is living your spiritual life at the highest level. And it's something that every single person in this room can and is called to do. Now let's reflect. And I want to be very honest with you. If you've been wrecked by the grace of God like I have in my life, if you have been run over by God's amazing gift of new life like I have in my life, if you want to live your life as an expression of love for the great God you know and you serve, then we have to begin to introduce as many people as possible to the God who wants desperately to unfold them with his grace and love. Do you know what this place would look like in a month, two months, three months, a year from now, if we just started living this way? We couldn't, we couldn't hold the people that would come if we were just becoming and being who we are called to be and not simply coming because it's what we do. We need to start living and being who we are in Christ. Which leads me to this. I want to share with you something that God has been moving on my heart this week. And it's something that's been a part of my life since my fourth year of ministry. When I went as a youth pastor with my senior pastor to an evangelism conference. And there were uh, several things that were said, but one of the things that was said was this. I'll illustrate it this way. When we have people come to church who aren't believers, and I begin to, to build a relationship with them and, and get to know them, I usually set an appointment up, or I always set an appointment up, and we, I go and I sit down and I talk with them, and I help them come to know the God who loves them more than they could ever know. That's what I do. Now let me tell you, that's what I do because that's what my job is as a pastor. But I'm also to do that as a Christian, apart from this place. And just because I do that as a pastor in this church does not exempt me from what I have been called to be and to do as a Christian. And so that's why, Lucy will testify to this, every place we've ever lived, I always put myself in positions to meet non-believers. Why? Because at that conference, he said, what you do as a pastor is what you do. Because that's what you were hired to do. But what you do as a Christian, you do because that's what Jesus has called you to do. And I've always put myself in positions to meet non-believers. So this is what God was working on me. And this is what I decided to do starting today. And these people don't even know this. But they're going to starting right now. Starting today, we have an elders meeting tonight. And in that elders meeting, you elders that are in here, 
You better be prepared because one of the questions I'm going to ask you is simply this. Who is on your radar? Who's on your radar? Who are you building a relationship with outside this church? Who is it in your life that you want to be a gift bearer to? And every elders meeting from here on out, I'm going to ask that question of our leaders. Tuesday on staff meeting, I'm going to ask this question of our staff. And I'm simply going to say, who's on your radar? Who are you talking to? Who are you getting to know? Who are you building a relationship with outside this church? Because here's what I believe with all my heart. And I've tried to practice this all throughout the last 36 years of ministry. I will never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And I think that goes for our leaders and that goes for our staff. We should never ask you to do anything we are not willing to do. And if God has called us to this as Christians, that, that means all of us are in this together. We're in this together. So just know you're going to be asked. If you're a life group leader in here, who's on your radar? Who are you sharing with? Who are you getting to know? And life group leaders, you need to be asking your life groups the same question. Who's on your radar? Who are you getting to know? You see, God has called us to leave that which is comfortable for that which is unknown. And he has called us to build relationships he has called us to be a gift bearer to help introduce people to the God who loves them more than they could ever know. Now, as we reflect this morning, I just want you to pray. I want you to pray and look in your hearts and examine your hearts and ask yourselves, who am I sharing with? Who am I building that relationship with? Who is on my radar? I had a professor in college Noble Staten, who used to say, he goes, I would tell people in my church, he said, I would say, I want you to go out on your front porch, and I want you to look to the left, I want you to look to the right, and as you do, if you can't find any non-Christians, then you need to move. You see, we get very comfortable, don't we, in our circles of comfort that we fail to reach out. I love Gary's heart and Carol's heart because every so often in our neighborhood we get together and we invite people from all religions to come and usually we meet at their house and we do dinner together and we get to know these people. I love Jim's heart over here because ever since I've talked about this, Jim has taken upon himself to walk as he puts it across the room and he tells me about people that he's connected with. How about you? Adam's going to come and he's going to play. And I just want you to begin thinking about who's on your radar, man. Who have you become an ultimate gift bearer to in your life? And if not, how can I begin that? And over these next four to five weeks, I'm going to be helping you with that. I'm going to be helping you see how we can do this and how this unfolds in your life. So let's reflect and let's pray as Adam plays.